So just as a reminder of what we looked at last week, we saw that Christians are made perfect by enduring trials. God places his people into challenging and difficult situations in order to test them and refine them more and more into the image of Christ. We saw that when our faith is tested and we respond to that testing with joy, then endurance is produced. And that allows us to withstand more and more refinement and to gain more and more sanctification. Well, in the verses that follow what we looked at last week, James highlights for us two very important things that we are to understand if we are to be able to put what we learned last week into practice. Those two things are the importance of wisdom in the process of sanctification, and then subsequently, number two, the prime importance of faith in God. So I'll elaborate on those two things as we go on, but right now, I want us to understand the link between what we're dealing with this morning and what we dealt with last week. So note what James says, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, and so on. Now, it's easy to miss the connection between verse 4, which is about enduring trials in order to be made more like Christ, and verse 5, which is about asking God for wisdom. And it's especially easy to miss the connection because the editors of the English Standard Version that we use in this church, the editors separated the two sections, and that could give the impression that they are disconnected ideas between verses 4 and 5. But if we read again, we can hear a link between the two sections. Read from verse 4 again and listen for my emphasis. Verse 4, And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Verse 5, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. Did you hear it? (laughs) James is dealing with the issue of believers lacking something. Something which is necessary for their sanctification. It's a a bit easier to hear in the New American Standard Bible where it says, and let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. In any case, that's the link between last week's sermon and this one. Trials and the testing of our faith is meant to make us perfect and complete so that we lack nothing. But along that process, there may be something extremely important that we lack. And that thing is wisdom. And James says here that God is both willing and able to provide it if we ask in faith. And so James means to show his readers the importance of wisdom in the process of sanctification and subsequently the prime importance of faith in God. You see, we need to have wisdom and faith if we are to be able to endure the trials and be formed over time into the image and likeness of Christ. So with that said, our big idea this morning is this important truth. God gives us the wisdom we need when we believe in Him. I'll say it again. God gives us the wisdom we need when we believe in Him. So let's start by looking at the importance of wisdom. James singles it out as being what we need if we are to be lacking in nothing and if we are to be molded into the image of Christ. 
Wisdom is the thing that supplies any spiritual lack that we have on our journey of sanctification. And when we see just what wisdom is, we will see why it is as important as it is and why uh, James emphasizes it. Psalm chapter 111 and verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 16 says, How much better to get wisdom than gold? To get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. You see, those who have wisdom have a right understanding of reality and apply this understanding to their lives in such a way that glorifies God. John MacArthur puts it well when he says this, Wisdom, and I'm quoting, Wisdom is the understanding and practical skill that is required to live life to God's glory. It is not a wisdom of philosophical speculation, but the wisdom contained in the pure and peaceable absolutes of God's will, which is revealed in his word. End of quote. So again, someone who has wisdom, when they know the word of God and how to put that knowledge into practice in a way that gives glory to God. Rather, let me read that again. Someone who has wisdom is someone who knows the word of God and knows how to put that wisdom and knowledge that they have into practice in such a way that gives glory to God. So you cannot live a God-honoring life without wisdom. And you cannot be like Jesus without wisdom. And so this is why James singles out wisdom. His audience would need wisdom if they were to be able to continually withstand the trials and tests that God was sending to perfect them and turn them into the image of Christ. So let me give an example of how this works. James told them to count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. James was saying that they had knowledge and understanding of the fact that God was doing good to them in and through their trials. So they were to let that wisdom that they had, that knowledge that they had, cause them to be joyful in spite of the hardships that they were facing. And what about something like patience? After all, they would need patience in order to endure the trials of life. Well, they could not have had patience in trials without the wisdom and understanding that comes from God's word. You see, God's word, word teaches us about the good and godly practices that make tough times bearable. Things like prayer, or having fellowship with other believers, or meditating on the scripture, and singing um, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. We do all these things that help us through life's hardships because we have an understanding of God's word. God's word tells us, do these things. And so those who have wisdom in greater degree are more equipped to face testing and trials with joy. So this is why wisdom is so important. So right away, we have our first point of application. Seek wisdom because you need it for your sanctification. Don't neglect the reading of scripture because that is where the wisdom necessary for life is found. That's why Jesus said that Man does not live by bread alone, but by what? By every word that comes from the mouth of God. His words give wisdom which is necessary for eternal life. And that's why Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 3, 
Continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Don't you just love it when you notice just how consistent scripture is? Both Paul and James are saying the exact same thing. The word of God is able to make us wise. And we need that wisdom if we are to be made perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So hopefully now we all understand why having wisdom is so important. Now we can turn our attention to how we get this wisdom. According to James, it is not enough to just read scripture. James tells us that we need to ask God to give us wisdom. What this means is that we need to ask God to illuminate our mind and make the scriptures clear to us as we read. James says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. You see, the fact that James tells us that we need to ask God tells us that attaining wisdom is not simply a matter of consuming information. After all, some of the most knowledgeable and intelligent people who have ever lived were and are unbelievers who reject the wisdom of God. And many of them have read the Bible and know what it says. They have the information. Yet rather than being wise, the Bible calls them fools because of their unbelief. So wisdom must be prayed for. You must ask for it directly from God. If you want to mature as a Christian, if you want to endure all of the trials and tests that this life will bring, if you want, to, if you want the scriptures that you read to be effective in your life, you need to ask God to make his word clear to you and help you apply it. You need to ask him to give you the wisdom and understanding that you need. And the good news for us this morning is that anyone, anyone who comes to God in faith, seeking wisdom, will get it. God gives generously to all without reproach. So let's unpack, unpack that part for a moment, that God gives generously to all without reproach. Now it's not clear from our English translations, but the word that is translated as generously could be better rendered as sincerely. The idea that James means to convey is that God gives in a sincere, pure, single-minded, intentional, and undivided fashion. In other words, God is not pretending to be willing to give. His willingness to give is not mixed with unwillingness. God is not double-minded in his intent to give as if he says he wants to give, but he really doesn't. He's not divided against himself, conflicted as to whether or not he wants to give good gifts to us. He gives sincerely and single-mindedly. What this means, brethren, is that we can have full confidence that God will do exactly what he said he would do. He said he would give us wisdom if we ask him in faith, and so he will. And so, James also says that God gives without approach. What that means is that he gives without finding fault. God does not get angry at those who seek wisdom from him, as if looking for reasons why he would not give. God does not hold our many faults against us. He doesn't hold them against us as reasons why he would withhold his life-giving wisdom from us. 
Rather, we can confidently come to him seeking remedy for our faults. Brothers and sisters, God is not like us. We are often insincere in the things that we do. I'll speak for myself, but I know that many of you will be able to relate in some way. I will admit that there are times when, for example, a beggar asks me for money, and I am immediately conflicted. I mean, sure, helping the beggar to get some food sounds like a good thing. And you start to think, does he really deserve this money? I mean, he's an able-bodied young man. He could go and find some work to put his hands to. Then he might just take this money and go buy drugs or something else with it. And so I start finding all the faults in the beggar. All the reasons why I wouldn't give. To the point where, even as the money leaves my hand, I'm conflicted. I'm saying to myself, I don't really want to give you this. You see, I'm conflicted, insincere, and divided in my intent to give. Now don't get me wrong, I don't feel this way every time I give something to someone, but it does happen sometimes. Insincerity and fault-finding as it relates to giving. But it's not so with God, amen? Praise be to God that He's not like that. Our Heavenly Father loves His children. He doesn't give to us begrudgingly. And he doesn't hold our faults against us as we come asking for good gifts. I want you to remember what Jesus taught us. He said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, and to the one who knocks rather, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent. If then you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So I want you to remember this the next time you sin. Don't talk yourself out of seeking wisdom from God, thinking that he does not want to help you. Thinking that your faults disqualify you from help. No. God knows that we are weak and that we need his wisdom if we are to be able to resist the sin that fights against us. The wisdom of God is meant to be our weapon against our faults. So God would not withhold that wisdom because of our faults. You see? So go to God in prayer and ask him for wisdom. For the understanding needed to navigate the pitfalls and trials of life. And God will give it to you. Well, So far we've looked at the importance of wisdom and how we need the understanding of God's word to be able to endure the trials of life in a God-glorifying way and become more like Jesus. And we've also seen where wisdom comes from. It comes from God through his word as he illuminates our minds and makes it clearer and clearer to us. We need to pray and ask him for it. We have his promise that he's fully intent on giving it to us. And this is all good news. Remember our big idea. God gives us the wisdom we need when we believe in him. We don't need to climb any mountains to retrieve it. We don't have to fight any dragons. Nothing like that. We only need to pray to our loving Father. And he will give it to us. However, there is a caveat. James warns us about a specific condition or limitation that God has placed on his giving. Those who pray to him and come seeking things from him must do so in faith. Faith in God is necessary if a person is to have their prayers to God answered. Whether they be prayers for wisdom or anything else. 
Again, remember our, our big idea. God gives us the wisdom we need when we believe in Him. So now we're going to shift our attention from what we have to ask God for, and that is wisdom, to the manner in which we must ask Him, that is, in faith. He says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Now after reading that, the question that we're probably asking ourselves is, am I someone who doubts God? After learning of God's plans to refine me into a more mature Christian and learning of his sincere, undivided intent to give me that wisdom, do I have the faith that is necessary? Well, before we get scared, James offers us a description of the one who doubts. And we can use this description to diagnose ourselves. He says, the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. That person must not suppose that he will receive anything for the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So what we need is to understand what it means to be double-minded. Well, based on James' own use of this expression, a double-minded person is someone whose mind is divided between God and the world. This is someone who is defined by hypocrisy. Someone who, as a pattern of life, says one thing and does another. This person claims to be a follower of God and claims to have a relationship with Him, but in reality is a lover of the world who takes part in its sin. And I'll show you why I say that. The Greek term used is dipsukos, and it's only used twice in all of Scripture. Here in James chapter 1, and again in James chapter 4. So turn with me briefly to James chapter 4, and let's see how James uses the word dipsukos, or double-minded. Starting from verse 1 of chapter 4, James says, What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do, not, you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched, and mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. So notice that James uses the same term, dipsukos, or double-minded, to refer to the tares among the wheat, or to the unbelievers hiding within the ranks of the church. Of course, 
This letter was being written to a diaspora of Jews living abroad, and James recognizes that not all who are in his audience will be genuine followers of Christ. That's just a sad reality that all of us have to uh, contend with. In any case, James warns these unbelievers. He confronts their spiritual adultery in verse 4. He uses the term sinners to describe them in verse 8. And that term was used at the time to refer to the unsaved. And also note that just like the one who doubts, these here in chapter 4 also ask of God and receive nothing from him because they either disregard God when it comes to their provision or they ask for things, they ask him for things in a wicked and faithless way that is not in keeping with God's will. Imagine something like, like asking God to give you wealth so that you can show off to your neighbors and make them feel small and insignificant. That sort of stuff. These people are lustful, quarrelsome, murderous, adulterous, faithless enemies of God. These are the people being referred to as double-minded. To be double-minded is to be a hypocrite in the strongest sense of the word. It is spiritual adultery against God. Outwardly claiming to love Him and obey Him, while secretly having affections for the world and indulging in its pleasures. So brethren, the wind-tossed, double-minded, unstable, doubter of God is an unbeliever. Based on the way that James uses that term in chapter 4. Those are the people whose prayers God ignores. So right away, those of us who are trusting in Christ as Lord and Savior should realize that we need not worry that we are being ignored by God. We don't fit the description of the one who doubts. We already possess that most basic and fundamental spiritual asset, faith. So recognize that when James says in verse, verse 6, let him ask in faith, it's as if James is saying, let him ask as a Christian. Or let him ask while being a believer in Jesus. Only Christians have the privilege of having access to God's generous, sincere giving through prayer. Those who don't ask in faith, that is, those who are outside the faith, who are not Christians and not believers, it is they who cannot hope to receive anything from the Lord. So time for some application. We who ask in faith, who ask in the faith as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, know that we have access to every good and perfect gift from above coming down from the Father of lights. Just think about how amazing that is. If you need wisdom to be able to make it through the trials of life, you already have the faith you need to be able to get it. Simply ask the one in whom you've placed your hope, and it will be yours. Friends, God never promised to make our lives easy. But he certainly has made it easy for us to get the help that we need. Faith grants the believer access to help from God. And this should cause you to realize just how precious the faith that you have is. It's like the key that grants access to God. I want you to think, if you were given a key that granted you access to a huge mansion where you could shelter from every storm and natural disaster, where inside the mansion was everything that would bring you joy and peace, wouldn't you treasure this key? You wouldn't leave it around. You would make sure that it was secured to you by some sort of chain or something. 
you would constantly check on it, making sure that it was safe and secure. So likewise, treasure your faith. Check on it like you would an actual precious key. Paul says, examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. Make sure that you do in fact have it. And this all ties back into our need for wisdom. Ask God to strengthen your faith. Ask him for the wisdom you need to increase your trust in God because the faith that you have is precious. And now I say to those who are not in the faith, if there be any listening this morning, there's application here for you too. You also should see how important and precious faith is. Without it, God will not answer your prayers. You shouldn't expect to receive anything from him without being a believer in Christ. Imagine being outside during a hurricane or outside with ravenous beasts chasing you. And you need shelter, someplace to hide. And you see that same huge mansion that is filled with joy and peace. But you can't enter it. You don't have the key. The key had been offered to you if you would just repent of your sin, but you rejected it because you did not want to give up your sin. You were in love with your sin. And now that you are in need, you can't expect to receive anything from the master of the house. You can bang on the door of that mansion all day and night, but all day and night, but without the key, you're not getting inside. If you merely pay lip service to God, do not think that he pays attention to your prayers and requests. And God is right to ignore and reject any petitions you make to him, since you ignore and reject his only begotten son. You reject him as Lord and Savior. How can you expect any gifts from God when you have already rejected his greatest gift, Christ Jesus? So I want you to know that when hard times hit, maybe your house is destroyed or you barely have enough food to eat, or you or a loved one falls ill, don't think that you can just throw up a casual prayer and get help. It doesn't work that way. Don't think that you can just casually say things like, boy, just trusting in God right now. No, don't deceive yourself like that. If you have not submitted your life to Christ in faith, walking with Him and obeying Him in faith, then you are not asking in the faith and you should not hope to receive anything from the Lord. I know this may be hard to hear. We tend to think of God as always being there to help everyone. And indeed, He is there, willing to help and to save. Jesus said, whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. That's true. But listen, only those who trust Him have access to His special care. Only those, only those who express that trust by believing in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, by obedience and repentance, have the heir of the King. Faith in Jesus is everything. It is the key to a right relationship with God. It is the key to salvation from sin. And it is the key to God's special care and help when we pray to Him. So again, anyone who has not yet come into the faith... Please heed my warning that without faith, God does not hear you. Repent of your sin today, even right now as you listen, and put your faith in Christ. Stop doubting Him. 
Stop doubting his authority over you. Stop doubting his warnings. Stop doubting his commandments. Believe and come to him as he is willing to accept all who come to him in faith. And again, I say to those who are already trusting in Christ, rejoice that your heavenly father hears you and is ready and willing to give you good things when you ask him. To those who are not double-minded in their devotion to God, he has said here that he stands ready with sincere, single-minded intent to give good gifts to those who ask him. He has already given us the greatest gift. He's already given us his son, Jesus Christ, to save us and to be with us through this life. And now as we journey through this life towards heaven, facing all the trials and tests, we know that he is working in us to increase our understanding of his word and our ability to apply it to our lives. So believer, whatever trials and testing you're going through right now, know that God can and will provide the wisdom you need to endure them. Simply ask him, knowing that God gives us the wisdom we need when we believe in him.